the following presentation from the Utah Open Source Conference held August 28th through 30th, 2008 is underwritten by Utah Open Tech. Utah Open Tech's main focus is to help businesses take advantage of voice over IP technology by using asterisk-based solutions. Implementing solutions let customers gain advanced communication features and a lower monthly phone bill. UtahOpenTech.com Streaming and podcast hosting bandwidth for this and many other presentations at podcast.utos.org has been provided by Tier 4. The presentation entitled Voice Over IP for Fun and Profit was presented by Chris Cameron. to learn about voice over IP. <laughs> it's an exciting topic. Um, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I uh, first encountered voice over IP when I was working for an uh, internet backbone called Electric Light Wave. Don't throw stones if you don't like them, but <laughs> it used to be quite an internet backbone. And uh, we were a big Cisco customer, and uh, I think it was about 97, 98, they sent us, uh, 1997 or 1998, they sent us some, uh, these big modules for, our, for one of our routers and said, hey, try these out. This is a, a new voice over IP thing we want you guys to play with. So uh, we shoved them in a couple of uh, 3600 series routers. They were, you know, these big modules that had uh, FXO and FXS ports on them. And uh, we set up our first voice over IP trunk between uh, Salt Lake and Portland at that time. And so got to play with that. and It was a lot of fun. It was really exciting to uh, hear the first voice call go over an internet line. And uh, for, for me, and uh, that's when I first started getting into VoIP and playing with it and just found it to be really exciting and uh, a fun thing to do. So how many people in here have ever worked with VoIP before or have any experience with it? Okay, a couple of people. Um, this, this presentation is going to be really, uh, you know, fairly haphazard in a way. It's going to be really uh, just very basic, and uh, I'm going to try to take you through how to set up your own voice over IP server, uh, the different components of a voice over IP switch and phones and, and how all those things work together and the things you'd need to set up your own voice over IP box and, uh, and then take a look at how you'd set that up in a business environment or even a home environment. And so if you have any questions as I go, just raise your hand and, and fire away, okay? So uh, first thing, uh, there's some terms to understand about VoIP. Uh, voice over IP, VoIP stands for voice over IP. There's lots of acronyms and they get a little tiresome, but... Um, We'll just kind of go through some of them really quickly. Some of the basic ones you'll need to know. Uh, SIP is uh, Session Initiation Protocol. And uh, SIP is one of the primary uh, methods for transferring, for moving the packets, the VoIP packets across the internet is kind of the, the simple way to put it. Uh, IP is for Internet Protocol. Uh, I'm too far there. G711, uh, there's a bunch of audio compression algorithms, and we're going to just focus on a couple of them. Uh, because there's, there's just tons of them, and there's only a few that really matter. Uh, oh, by the way, we're going to be using Asterisk for the demo here, the presentation today. And so uh, G711 is, is built into Asterisk. G729 is a commercial, it, it's a patent-protected algorithm. So uh, if you want to use G729, you're supposed to get a license for that. And then GSM. Um, basically, G711 audio compression is, uh, it affects the voice quality, but it'll also uh, affect how much bandwidth your call takes up. So if you're using something like G711, it's going to take up the most bandwidth because it's basically almost completely uncompressed, full quality, full channel call, uh, which is 64 kilobits per second, which is, the, uh, which is what your standard phone line in your house is basically running at most of the time. And then uh, GSM is, is a, highly, is a much, highly, much more highly compressed algorithm. Uh, it runs about 8 kilobits per second, I believe. And uh, so the call quality is going to be much lower. It's going to be similar to a cell phone call. But if you're running over the internet where you know, your, your connectivity is going to be spotty or you may have packet loss and latency, then you're probably going to have to run GSM for those particular calls. Okay, FXO and FXS are foreign exchange office, foreign exchange station. You run into this a lot because uh, when you go to buy an analog port for your voice over IP server or switch, you're going to uh, need to get either an FXO port, which would allow you to connect up to the phone company, or you're going to need to get an FXS port, which would allow you to connect a phone in. So the way to think about it is an FXO is the plug on your phone, where the FXS is the plug on the wall. Okay, so if that makes sense. Those are easy to get confused. And you don't want to buy the wrong card. 
Uh, okay, then, uh, so just a quick overview on Asterisk. It was created by Mark Spencer in 1999. It's owned by D a company called Digium, and they also uh, are one of the main vendors you'd buy uh, voice over IP cards for from. And so it might, you might get like a T1 card, a PRI interface, or you might get a, uh, like an analog card. There's different cards you can buy from them to hook to the phone company. Uh, a PRI, just to clarify that, is a, is, like, is a T1 that hooks to the phone company. It's basically the equivalent of 24 channels. You get 23 phone lines on a PRI, and then you get one D channel, which is for signaling. So a lot of businesses will buy a, a PRI line, and that's what they'll use for their phone system. Um, and then you can find out more at asterisk.org. Okay, the, the distribution we're going to use is Trixbox. Trixbox is just a big collection of, of like free PBX and a whole bunch of tools that make it really simple to get your PBX set up. Uh, PBX stands for Private Branch Exchange, too. So uh, PBX is just another word for phone switch, basically. Um, so uh, uh, Trixbox, if you go and download Atris and install it, it really just comes as, a, as nothing. I mean, you, you have to configure everything on it, from your voicemail boxes to your extensions to call plans and routing and all that kind of stuff. And so Trixbox is just a, uh, a distribution that takes care of all that for you. So it's all bundled up together and gives you some really nice tools to manage it. Uh, you can get that at Trixbox.org. They also have a uh, commercial version, which has a few more features. And you just have to look at the, the differences on there. Any questions so far as I'm cruising along? Sorry if I'm drumming too fast. Um, so uh, the first thing we're going to look at is uh, the components of the phone system. Uh, so these are the things we're going to go through. We're going to take a 30,000-foot view of how things work and kind of go through the different components and how they talk to each other. Uh, we're going to look at how to configure a small number of phones. Uh, if you're going to do a big uh, group of phones, like maybe 20 or 30 or more, then uh, you're going to want to try and uh, automatically provision the phones. And how that gets done depends on the phone. Um, there's, there's a lot of different phone vendors. I brought a couple here, um, and I'll show you these again later. But... Um, a Polycom is, is my favorite phone right now. It's the phone I use quite a bit uh, because of the, the, you know, the price and the quality. Just make it one of the best voice over IP phones out there. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the network requirements, both uh, on the local network as well as going over the Internet. When you start piping voice around your network, you've got to uh, make sure that your network can handle it and you're not just running on a, you know, like a 100 megabit switch. It may start to get taxed depending on how much is going on in your network. Okay, so uh, here's, the, here's a map real quick of the different components of the phone system. Uh, what you're going to do is uh, you're going to have a router or a modem, typically, if you're hooking up to the Internet. You're going to have a switch that, that your computers, your voice over IP server, and your phone all hook into to talk to each other. And then you may have mobile workers, and they're going to have some kind of a SIP software. There's uh, two ways to handle a mobile connection into your voice over IP switch. One is through a VPN, and you can tunnel your voice over IP traffic into your network. Or you can use a, uh, a SIP client, and, uh, in that, and then you can expose your voice over IP switch to the Internet or to a specific range of IPs on the Internet for your uh, remote connectivity. Um, OpenVPN is a great solution for, doing, uh, for tunneling voice over IP traffic, but you have to be careful with uh, fragmentation and some things like that when you're using a VPN tunnel to move voice over IP traffic. And we talk about that a little more later if anyone has any questions on that. Uh, so the network switch, there's a couple of different options with a network switch. You can buy a network switch that has what's called PoE, which is power over Ethernet. And uh, what that does is it lets you hook your phone in through uh, your Ethernet cable, and it actually injects power into the phone through the Ethernet network. So that means you don't have to have a power supply on your phone. You just have one cable that plugs into it, and you're done. So it makes it really simple to, to get power to your phone and, and deal with it that way. Um, power of Ethernet switches, though, tend to be more expensive, and so you're going to pay a premium on it, and so you just have to weigh it out and decide which way is better to go. Um, you want to typically go gigabit if you can, because a gigabit switch is going to give you more, a lot more throughput on your network. Uh -huh. Where do you buy a switch that has power Yeah, so the question is, where do you buy a switch that has power over Ethernet? Um, typically, you can buy them online is going to be your most common option. Um, from Dell or from CDW, any of those places will have them. Cisco makes them. Dell makes them. Um, Dell's got a switch that, um, I think it's about, a 24-port switch is about $2,500. So 
So they can be a little expensive. Uh, you can get a, like a four-port switch cheaper. If you have just a local network you're going to be running, um, you can usually get like a four- or five-port switch for maybe 300 bucks, somewhere around there. And uh, sometimes uh, you have to look at the fine print on the switch, because sometimes you'll get a four-port switch that says PoE, but only one port's PoE on it. So you know, if you have more than one phone, you'd have to use power supply. Um, so uh, another thing you'd want to do with the, with the switch is you want to try to get a manageable switch. Uh, what that means is you can go in and configure VLANs, and uh, that would allow you to segregate your, your voice over IP traffic from your local traffic. If you're doing a business configuration, that, that can be especially important. That way you're not um, sharing the network with, uh, with your phones and your computers at the same time. Uh, voice over IP is really intolerant of uh, you know, any kind of packet loss or latency, jitter, those kinds of things. Um, you're, and then another thing to consider is your internet connection. There's a couple of different ways to get connected to the PSTN, which is the plain simple telephone network. Um, so if you want to hook your voice over IP switch into the phone network and be able to make you know, regular phone calls through it, you can connect either through a POTS line, which is just a phone line coming from the phone company, or a PRI, which is it's just similar, uh, just a T1 level, or you can hook to a voice over IP provider and you can hook to one over the internet, and uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. Um, and, and even, uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of uh, voice over IP providers that are good for you to use. Uh, I use one called uh, TELUS is one. Uh, there's, there's a bunch out there. Vonage, I think Von, I don't know if Vonage allows you to hook to Asterisk. I don't think they do. You have to get one that will give you like a trunk type con uh, connection. It'll usually be a SIP connection. If they're an asterisk shop, then they might give you an IAX2 connection. So there's two different ways to go that way. Uh, typically, you can buy uh, a DID, which is a direct inward dial number, and that's your, you know, your 801-990-4558, whatever. Um, that's the DID number, and you can buy those from the, from the voice over IP provider. Um, some providers have local DIDs, so you can buy one in, you know, if you live in Salt Lake and you want a Salt Lake DID, you can buy one from them. Um, sometimes their coverage is spotty, though, and it's hard to find local DIDs. Um, there's, uh, there's also bandwidth calculators online, so you can, get, so you can take a look at um, whether or not your Internet line is going to be able to support VoIP. You need a broadband connection at least. Um, DSL, in my experience, tends to be a little spotty with voice over IP. You'll have to definitely compress it, most likely. Uh, cable modems seem to work really well, especially if you get uh, one that has the 2 meg upload. Um, because uh, most broadband lines, you know, they have a high download and a low upload, and uh, the, the low upload can kill your voice over IP connection on most home-type broadband connections. Um, this is just a quick example of uh, some throughput numbers. If you had uh, 10 simultaneous calls going through uh, using SIP, and uh, let's see, this is the G711, I believe, and so the amount of bandwidth it would take for those calls would be 796 kilobits per second. So that's almost a meg uh, of uh, bandwidth on each side. And so uh, you'd have to make sure that you'd be able to support that much if you were going to um, you know, do, vo do voice RIP over the Internet. So if you have like a T1 into your office or something like that, you'd, need to, you'd be saturating that line if you had 10 simultaneous calls hitting a voice over IP uh, upstream provider. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, and then I've got another example with uh, GSM over there. You can see the bandwidth usage is much smaller at 286 kilobits per second. So that compression, uh, you know, while you lose the quality, it'll definitely take up a lot less bandwidth. Uh, so phones are another component of a voice over IP configuration. Uh, there's, there's different phones you can use. You can either use a software-based phone, which is just downloading a piece of software and you run it on your computer. And then you can go buy a headset over at Office Max or Staples for 20 bucks, and then you've got a phone. So this is definitely the cheapest option. There's two great uh, free software clients, Xlite we use quite a bit, and Zoiper. I'm not as familiar with Zoiper, but um, I hear that one's pretty good too. And then uh, you can also buy hardware-based phones, and uh, those have their own Ethernet connection. They require an Ethernet connection. Are they what? Sorry. Yeah, um, no, this one's not, but I think Zoiper is. Uh, so the question was, are the soft phones um, open source or not? And Xlight's free, but it's, it's not open source as far as I know. Um, there is another, uh, I think it's Siplight or something that's an open source version. Uh, I don't remember the name exactly, but. Uh, they're actually really good. Um, the, uh, as long as you have a good headset, 
the question was, uh, sorry, I have to repeat all the questions. <laughs> the question was uh, how the quality is between the soft and the hardware phones. Um, they tend to be really good as long as your headset's good and your computer's fast enough. If you have a slow computer, um, then it affects the audio quality quite a bit because you can start getting jitter, which you know you might hear little pops or, or kind of bubbly sounds in the phone call. And so uh, you want to have a fast enough computer, you want to have a faster computer, and you want to have a good headset so it's got a good microphone, like the, po um, the polyphone type microphones are really good. Um, and, and then the hard phones um, tend to be a little better quality usually, but they, uh, especially like in the speaker phone, they're really good. I mean, if you try it, you can't really do a, I haven't really seen a way to do a speaker phone very well on the computer because they don't handle the duplexing properly. Um, some of the best speaker phones, uh, as far as hard phones go, are like this Polycom. Um, any of their sound points, they have the best speaker phones out there, along with the Cisco. The Cisco makes really good ones, but they're, you know, twice to three times as much money on the Cisco's. Any other questions on phones? We can cover it. We can go into some more later. Oh, do they? <laughs> that's good. So yeah, that's uh, that maybe maybe why they're so good, or why they're so similar. Um, so then you, you also need an adapter. So the adapter allows you to hook to the to the plain simple telephone network, the PSTN. Um, adapters can range uh, in price quite a bit. There's a lot of different styles of adapters. Uh, this adapter, for instance, is a uh, just a little VoIP to analog adapter. So if you were to go voice over IP in your office or your house and you needed a fax line, uh, one way to one way to do that is to use one of these adapters, and it takes it gives you an analog signal, and then it has an e it has an analog port and an Ethernet port, and the Ethernet will allow that adapter to hook to your voice over IP switch, and then it gives you an analog port for your fax or your credit card machine, whatever you've got to hook up there. Faxing, yeah, it's um, it, it does tend to be uh, spotty. There's a new T38 standard out though that that helps that. So if your adapter supports it, um, there's a piece of it's commercial software, but there's a piece of commercial software you can get that'll do fax over the internet. So um, in general, faxing over the internet tends to be uh, you, you can't really do faxing over VoIP. It it tends to be real spotty the the you know the way it works. Um, a lot of times you get drop pages or things like that. And uh, the fax machine at most can get 9,600 baud, and you have to go with a G711 codec to even be able to do it. Now, there are people that do it, and they, they, you know, they get pretty good success out of it. I've got some voice over IP lines we've got fax machines hooked to, and, and they work most of the time. Um, but uh, often it's best if you can just take the fax machine and hook it directly into a, a standard phone line coming from the phone company. Um, and another, uh, another thing that's nice about faxing, as long as we're talking about faxing, uh, with Asterisk, and I'll show you this later uh, in the system, but um, Trixbox comes with uh, built-in fax to email. It, it uses a package called SpanDSP. And so if you've got an analog connector in your, if you've got an analog line coming into your, your uh, voice over IP switch or a uh, PRI line, uh, when somebody calls the fax number, it'll detect the fax tone, grab the fax, and without any fax machine being in there at all, it'll just email that fax as a PDF attachment to your email. So that's a, that's a great feature. Um, the other ports you have are like a PRI adapter and uh, an analog adapter. The analog adapters you can buy, there's a whole array of options for analog adapters. You can get a single port card, you can get a two port card, a four port card. Uh, you can also get these cards that are modular where it has the analog port on, the, on it, um, but it's not fixed to either FXO or FXS. Typically when you buy the card, it's going to either be an FXO uh, interface, or it's going to be an FXS, or it's going to be a combination of the two. Um, with the modular ones, you can actually just stick a little DSP on the card, and then that'll convert, that'll, you know, make it either an FXO or an FXS, so you can change it later if you want. So if you want three FXS ports and one FXO port, because you've only got one line hooking to the phone company, then, uh, you know, you can do that, but later on if you change your mind and go, oh, I need another line because my phone line's always busy when people try to call, then you can switch that out for, an F for another FXO, so... Good option there. Uh, then you've got the VoIP server. Um, the VoIP servers typically, uh, you want to go with a pretty decent box. Um, I've run it on some pretty lean down hardware, so uh, it will run on, on some low end hardware, but you, know, you typically want to give it the best hardware you can. Uh, there's also appliance based uh, boxes out there. If you go to like VoIPsupply.com or just Google you know, asterisk appliance, you'll find tons of them. Um, Rhino makes them, and they make a really good one. And uh, 
Usually the appliances, uh, you can buy them with the interfaces already put in. You can buy them pre-installed, so they've got everything in there. And then you, you, know, you, you can go in and configure it and customize it to whatever you want. Um, another way to get uh, into uh, a VoIP server is just virtualize it. Um, and you can do that for testing and, and whatever else. There's, uh, has anybody ever used VirtualBox before? That's a great um, free open source virtualization software package. So if you want to play around with that. You can, of course, also use VM Player. Okay, so uh, what happens when we install a phone system? So the first thing to do is uh, we purchase a server, or we can use virtualization to get it set up. Um, you're going you're gonna to spec out phones for your phone system. You've got to figure out how many phones you want to have, whether they're going to be soft phone or hard phones. Um, if you're in a business-type environment, um, you know, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to you know, do a little more work up front to make sure that you're buying the right things ahead of time. Um, there's some great sources. There's tons of great sources for the phones online. You can go to, just go through Google or Frugal and do searches and uh, see what's available out there. Again, I like the Polycoms. Another one is this Grandstream. This is a really cheap phone. Um, the speakerphone on it's terrible, but it does have a speakerphone. And the, uh, the quality is you know, pretty good. It's like an $80, $70 phone. So uh, if you want a phone that's really cost effective, that's a good way to go. Um, how much are you looking for the Polycom? Uh, so uh, the question was, how much is a Polycom? This, this phone, I think, is about 150 now, 160 somewhere in there. And so, uh, you know, if anybody's ever bought phones for business class type phones, they, they've costed as much as $500, $600. So um, luckily, Asterisk has helped that out quite a bit and made things quite a bit cheaper. But um, they have like a 601. They've got some new models out, too, that I'm not as familiar with. But um, uh, largely, the cost of the phone will be, will be dependent on how many appearance buttons are on the phone. An appearance button is basically, you can think of it like a line on the phone. Uh, so this one has three appearance buttons. So a three line, it'll give you basically three lines. So you can use the lines to, you know, if another call comes in, you can hit another line to grab that call, and this one will be automatically put on hold. Or if you want to conference up multiple lines, these appearance buttons will help you do that. Um, and so uh, if you have like a two appearance phone, it's probably going to cost you about 120 bucks on a Polycom, like the 301. Uh, this one is about 150 with three appearance buttons, and then like the 601, I think, has six appearance buttons. And those run about uh, 200, maybe somewhere around there. Cisco's are, you know, add like 100 bucks, and that's probably the cost of a Cisco. Um, so, uh, and then another thing you need to do is you need to spec out uh, how your phone system is going to be set up, like how many uh, analog adapters you're going to need. So, if uh, if you're in like a business environment again, and you've got um, eight analog lines coming from one FBs coming from the phone company, then you're going to need eight FXO ports for your phone switch. And then if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to need to hook up like a uh, fax machine or something like that, uh, you can buy an FXS port for the switch and hook up your fax machine directly through the server. And that kind of, that kind of a setup for a fax machine should work fine uh, because you're, you're bridging the call within the switch itself. If you're, if you're sending the call through the adapter over the network, that's when it tends to get a little spotty. Um, show sample hardware. Okay, we already kind of did that. <laughs> I like to put these notes in here for myself. Uh, okay, so then the first thing you're going to do once you've got your hardware in place and you're ready to get everything installed and set up is you're going to go get the Trixbox ISO. You can download that um, from Trixbox.org. And you can download either a VMware image, so you can just immediately run it and start playing with it, or you can uh, download the ISO, which just you burn a CD with, pop it in your machine, and uh, you're off and running. Uh, it's the CE version that's the free version. That's the community edition. That's the one you'd want to pick up. Um, so one thing to watch out for is whatever box you put it in, if you, run it, if you boot it off the CD, it will wipe the box, completely partition it, and take everything out on it. So uh, make sure it's a box that you want to completely wipe and get rid of everything on it. If you don't, then you should probably use VMware for it. Um, you're going to run it in a, uh, let's see, to install it, you just boot the disk, it will take over. I'll just quickly show you some of the install screens here. Um, so it initially comes up with your typical Linux uh, screen that you know gives you all the notes and everything hey this is going to completely wipe your machine good luck next screen is it's a really simple installation and that's why i like Trixbox, um, especially if you've never worked with voip before it's just uh, perfect for uh getting uh getting getting started with it because it gives you all the configuration stuff you pick out your keyboard you uh set the system clock set your root password uh then it'll go through and just install the install all the software and you're pretty much done after that and it'll just and it'll just reboot your machine, and when it comes back up, you'll be ready to run Trixbox. So, 
Let me just kind of walk through here and show you some uh, some Trixbox screens. Set this here to full screen and turn off mirroring. Turn on mirroring. Okay. And I'm just running this through parallels. Let's see. If I can get it to cooperate here. Should we do the full screen so it actually comes up properly? Okay, so you're going to get your root login. Um, it asks you for your root password during the uh, initial installation. So then after you log in, <coughs> it's going to give you a nice little banner that tells you how to log in through the web. Uh, it's got a great uh, web app admin, which is uh, from a place called FreePBX that put that together. So let's take a look at the uh, web admin here. So one of the first things you're going to do with your box is uh, go in and uh, start with the configuration. Nope. Now you're going to go slash admin. There's two sides to the web interface on Trixbox. It gives you a user interface that lets your users go in and uh, get access to their voicemail over a web browser. And through that, they can configure um, different things about their extensions. So you can set up like a follow me, find me, follow me type situation. And we'll look at all those features here in a few minutes. Um, one of the things you're going to want to do is it has a module admin. And it's under, uh, it's under setup and module admin here. And you're going to want to go through and make sure you've got, um, there's a ton of modules for this. So you can go in and add all kinds of modules to do all sorts of crazy things. Um, the basic ones that it comes with, though, is, is a pretty full feature set. And since I don't have internet connectivity, I can't go and show you the additional modules that are available. But trust me, there's many. Um, it's got a great system status screen in here. So it gives you an overview of your processor utilization, your memory, your network configuration. It shows you the server status. So you can see that everything's running, your MySQL, your asterisk, the web server, etc. cetera. Um, so the first thing you're going to do to set up your, uh, your PBX is you're going to add an extension. So you'll go to the extensions tab here. A generic SIP device is most likely what you're going to set up. That's, uh, so a generic SIP device is going to be like a soft phone or a hard phone. So, any, so this kind of a phone or uh, a software-based client. So we'll go to this screen. And the nice thing about this, uh, this web interface is if you just scroll over any of these uh, links here, it'll just give you a, a little help menu that tells you exactly what it's asking for. So it's really intuitive that way. And once you get used to some of, the, some of what they're asking for, you'll, you'll understand it even better. Um, let's talk a little bit about dial plan, too. So if you're like in a business environment, and let's say you're going to buy a PRI with DID numbers on it, uh, what the phone company will do is they'll assign you uh, X number of DIDs. They'll ask you, how many DIDs do you want? And so you might say, well, so if you have like 40 employee or 20 employees, and uh, you're going to probably ask for 30 DIDs, so you have 10 extra. And you might need like two or three for a fax machine or, you know, the main number, that kind of stuff. So then the phone company will assign you those 30 DIDs, and what I'd like to do typically with my dial plan is I'd like to have the DIDs match the extension number. And you have to decide whether you want four-digit extensions or three digits. Um, sometimes a phone company will assign you a range of DIDs, but um, they won't all be contiguous. So you might have like 4600 through 4615, and then you might have 4805 to 4010 or whatever. And so um, you can't really do three-digit dialing and have everything match up really well, um, especially if it's like 4,600 and then 46, and then it's a whole other range or something like that. So um, you just have to decide if you want to do three-digit or four-digit. Um, so in this example, let's do uh, 4302. So this extension we'll call 4302. And typically, that's all you're going to have to do on the extension in terms of mapping that DID into the extension that that phone number goes to. What happens is the, uh, and it depends on the phone company and how they do signaling, but typically um, if you watch the raw output of when a phone call comes into your phone switch, you're going to see the phone company is going to pass the DID to your phone switch through the PRI, and it's probably just going to be the four-digit number if, they, if that's how they've got it set up. So it'll be like 4302. And so as long as the extension is 4302, uh, your phone switch will just know how to route it and take care of it for you. 
Now, if the phone company was passing through like the full the full number, so the one the 801-990-4302, in that case, you'd have to set up um, the uh, the DID info here. So it would be 801-990-4302. And so that's what would tell your phone switch, hey, if you see this DID number, that goes to this extension. So that's how you need to map it. Okay, so then another thing you can do that's uh, loads of fun when you're bored is you can set your own outbound caller ID if you have like a, uh, you can't do this on an analog line, on, a, on a, you know, like a standard 1FB from the phone company, but on a PRI, you can set your caller ID to whatever you want. So if you want to make a call from your neighbor's phone, you know, you can do that. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Usually you want that to match the DID number, but you can't override that. So the question is, if you go to the voice over IP provider online, will they, will they still let you allow you to override DIDs uh, or the caller ID? Um, most ones I've used do, so they still allow you to do that. Um, they may, I mean, if it got abused, they might, they might change that or they might change your account so that it doesn't allow you to do that anymore. But uh, yeah, most ones I use, they still allow you to set the uh, caller ID. No. Yeah, the way, the way caller ID works, so the question is, is can you set the name on the caller ID? Um, you, can, you only have control over the number. There's a big, um, you know, there's big databases out in the, uh, in the switching network with the phone companies that control, that have databases of what the names are. So you can override the caller ID number, but what happens is, is on the other end, the phone company, when they pass the call to the receiving party, they're going to go do a name lookup off that number and then pass the number through along with that call. So if it's uh, you know if it's the White House, they're going to pass the White House caller ID <laughs> or whatever it is. So it'll, it'll look up based off of the, the overridden uh, caller ID number. Like if I was to put my name, my, my, my name yes. in there, then my neighbor's name would also. Yes. Phone DNS. What's that? Yeah, yeah, it is a lot like a phone DNS. Yep. And uh, and so yeah, there's just a big database out there, and you don't have control over that. And so another uh, thing to note too is when you go get your phone numbers from the phone company, um, a lot of times they might pick some funky name for your caller ID, and they'll just set that. And so you have to go back to them to their uh, provisioning department and say, hey, I want this name to show up for these numbers. And you may have different names. You know, if you're a company that does different, you know, a lot of different calling or whatever, you may want to pick different names for different numbers, things like that. And, and the phone company can set that for you. Um, another thing you can do is set up uh, an emergency caller ID, and so uh, if you're gonna, if if the person using that VoIP line, there's a lot of regulations around 911, and there's now an E911 that you might have heard of. Uh, what happens is when you put a phone, uh, voice over IP phone out there, if you have like a business and you have remote workers that are in another state and they've got a phone sitting at their desk, but its DID actually comes into your, you know, headquarters at your office in Salt Lake or whatever. Um, when they call out, when they when they normally are making calls, they might it might come out as their 801 number. But if they needed to call 911 from that phone, which legally they have to be able to do, then it needs to set a different caller ID for that emergency call. And so, luckily, you can override that, and you can set it to you know maybe their local home number or a number that's local to them, so that the phone company can has uh, the E911 information, which is their address and phone number and all that stuff over here. Uh, in that case, the, uh, so the question is, how would that work if you don't have a landline? Uh, the way that will work is your provider can set up an E911 number for you, and they can set the E911 you know, address and routing information for that number. So it may not be a number that anybody's ever going to dial, but it'll be a number that when it's passed to 911, it'll give the right, it'll give the correct uh, info for dispatchers. Did you have a question? I just ask, so that emergency CID could be like the analog fax line that's in a remote office. Yeah, yeah, could be anything. Yeah, just as long as uh, just as long as it maps back to the correct uh, E911 info. And uh, most all the online VoIP providers, if you're not using a phone company and you're using a VoIP provider, most of them support E911 now. So that um, you know you may have an 801 DID, but uh, your end user can go into a web page and actually set their 911 info. So if they move or whatever, they're responsible for keeping that address up to date. If they move the phone or you know hook it somewhere else. Yeah, you want to make sure you're E911 compliant. The FCC will get mad at you if you're not. 
Um, so another thing you can do is you can have custom music on hold. So uh, the great thing about Asterisk is you can, and Trixbox, is you can record, uh, you can use MP3s, you can use you know, any standard MP3 and, uh, or WAV file and drop it in there. So if you want to have some kind of custom on hold music, like thanks for calling Bob's Plumbing, we plunge well, you can just drop that audio file in there and you can set it per extension. Or you can also set it on, you know, like your, your global number or any numbers that you have that come into like a digital receptionist. And I'll kind of go through those here in a minute. Hopefully we'll have enough time here. Um, and then the other thing you need to set is that uh, is the password. So we'll just put one, two, three. So that's the secret. Now that's what you use in the phone. When you go to configure the phone, you're going to set the uh, SIP server, which is going to be the IP address of your voice over IP box, your tricks box. And then you're going to set the uh, extension for the phone so it knows what extension to use. And that's also what the phone uses as its, you know, its username, basically. And so when it logs in, it needs the extension number, which is the username. And it needs the uh, secret or the password. So that'll be uh, one, two, three in this case. Uh, another thing you can have on each extension in Trixbox is a fax handling. So uh, each extension could have its own fax detection. And fax, you know, that could be a fax number and somebody's phone number. And uh, then you can set an email for this particular phone. So this person, if they want to give somebody their phone number, they can uh, just set that and they get an email whenever they get a fax. Uh, then you need to set some kind of a fax detection. So it could be either NVFAX or ZapTel. It's usually going to be NVFAX if you're on uh, like a SIP trunk or a PRI line. If you're on an analog line, then you may use ZapTel. And then you also could set a pause after answer. Uh, privacy manager uh, will allow. So that's, this is a nice feature if somebody calls into your phone and they don't have caller ID set, it comes from like an unknown call, you know, unknown or whatever, uh, you can, you can uh, force the user, the caller, to actually enter in their 10-digit number. So hopefully it'll get rid of your solicitors you don't want to hear from anyway. Uh, skipping down here, you can do recording. Asterisk has, uh, and Trixbox comes with some great recording features. So uh, you can record all of the incoming outgoing calls on, an, on a by extension basis. Uh, you can have it on demand, so if somebody's on the phone and you want to record their call, you just go in and click it and just tell it to start recording that call. And uh, I think it buffers the first part of the call, so it should grab the whole call. And then you can also do uh, this, you don't configure it here, but you can also do a barge type feature where if you want to hear, if you want to barge in on somebody else's phone, you just dial like a star code and pop in on that phone call secretly. Of course, uh, observe your local laws when <laughs> using these features. Uh, you have a voicemail set up, so you have to click Enable to enable the voicemail box. And then we'll, uh, usually you want to have that be uh, a separate secret from the extensions password. That way, uh, you know, somebody can't just go look in the phone settings and see what the password is or anything like that for the voicemail. Uh, you can also set an email address, so you can have all the voicemails go to an email box, and that'll just, the voicemail come as an attachment, as an audio file attachment. So it might be like a WAV file or whatever. And you can also have a pager email address, which would uh, ding like a phone. If, uh, so if somebody calls your phone and uh, you want to know if somebody leaves you a voicemail immediately, it'll just send an SMS message right to your phone. So you can put in uh, you know, whatever your email address is for your phone. And then you can set some different settings on that. Another uh, cool thing that Trixbox has is this VMX locator. Um, so you can, enable a, you can enable that. Oh, you have to set a valid display name. And uh, what the VMX does is it, uh, when the person logs into their uh, extension, it will allow them to set like their follow me settings, their do not disturb settings, all that kind of stuff on their extension from a web browser. So they don't have to do anything on the phone to, to get all those configured. Okay, so that's how you set up an extension. The next thing you're going to want to do is set up a trunk. And so the kind of trunk you set up is going to be highly dependent on the interface. So if it's a PRI line, for instance, it's going to be a Zap trunk. If it's an uh, online VoIP provider, it could be an IAX2 or a SIP trunk. Uh, Configuration-wise, I'll just breeze through this unless somebody has specific questions about the trunk. Um, but you can set an overriding outbound caller ID for it. You can set a number of channels. Like your VoIP provider might only give you two channels or three channels or whatever it is. And so in here you can set that on your trunk so that if you go, so that if you get more calls than your trunk has capacity for, it'll just give the caller a message and say, I'm sorry, all, all lines are busy kind of a message. Um, you can monitor trunk failures, do things like that. Uh, dial rules are where you basically set um, how phone calls will go out across the trunk. 
Sometimes you might have to manipulate the digits going out across the trunk or the phone number that somebody's dialing in order for it to work. Like if this was a long distance only VoIP trunk, you might have to uh, prepend it with a, with a one or a country code or something like that. And so it has some, some basic dial rules that allow you to do that. Um, and also, like if uh, people are wanting to dial locally, like let's say they want to do a seven digit dial, uh, your trunk might require you to dial the area, a one in an area code. Well, you can go in here and, uh, and set that so that it automatically um, prepends the, uh, the, the 1801 or whatever the area code is. And that way people still get to do a seven digit dial without, you know, without having to remember the area code part. Uh, you're going to set up peer details. Uh, what happens is when you sign up for a VoIP trunk, they're going to give you all your, your login, your username, the, the password, and everything like that. And you just sit, and you set it up in here, and they've nicely gone in and uh, already pre-filled it, and you just simply replace the, the sections there. So it makes it really simple to configure. And if it's a two-way trunk, um, you're going to have to set both the peer details and the user details. Sometimes you'll set up a trunk that's one-way only, so it's outbound only, and it's just for long-distance calls, and that's a real typical type configuration. And so uh, you can leave those out. The register string uh, you'd put in, again, that comes from your provider usually, and they'll just give you the register string for asterisk. If it's, uh, most providers are pretty savvy on asterisk because a lot of people utilize it. Okay, so after your trunk's all set up and configured, you're going to need to add routes that tell your phone switch how to route calls out of your trunk. And so what you would do is you go to add route, you name the route, you, set, you may have a route password. Like let's say it's a long distance trunk and you want everyone to enter a, a four-digit code every time they dial on, you know, every time they need to dial long distance to prevent somebody from abusing your system. You can set that route password here, and that way whenever somebody hits this route, they'd have to dial the password. Uh, you can set whether or not to allow emergency dialing, and then uh, it may be an intercompany route, so if you have like multiple PBXs put together or something along those lines, you can, uh, you can route those calls through here. Um, then the, the main thing you're going to configure on here is the dial pattern. And the dial pattern uh, it gives you these nice little wi wizards here. So this would be like a seven-digit dial pattern. Basically, it just tells the phone switch to look for this pattern. And if you see it, then you know, th that's a call for this route. Um, there's different ways to set up your dial patterns. If you're in like, an office environment, you might want to have people dial a nine, and then the number they're trying to reach. You're probably familiar with that. Um, that would be like this, this pattern here. So this is a dial nine to get, an, to get this trunk, to get the outside line. Um, where if they're dial and then you can also go in and, and set that to be a little more granular. Like you can have it be nine, and any number will hit this trunk, this route. Or you can say if they dial a nine and the NX, you know, and the N and the seven-digit number, then uh, it'll it will hit this trunk instead of a long-distance line. So just a lot of different options there. Can you configure failover there? Yeah, um, like well, like trunk failover. Well, yeah. So say I want to dial out using my SIP provider, but then uh -huh. if my SIP provider is unavailable because my internet connection is down, I want to... Right. Go to the Zaptel, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so the question is, is how would you do redundancy? Um, and yeah, you can. It has a trunk sequence right here. Okay. And so what you would do is you'd put in your first trunk, and then you put in your second trunk, and on and on. So you can just chain them together. And then, uh, yeah, you, you may be able to, you, you may have your local line down, but you still want to send a call out, so then you can just go to your long distance trunk, maybe, or, you know, something along those lines. So, yeah, as you can see, this, it just makes it really slick to get all that stuff set up. Um, so, other things you might want to set up are going to be, so do we go to 1230? Okay. Okay. Um, so another thing you may want to set up is uh, a digital receptionist. You're probably familiar with those. <laughs> or an IVR. Those are those annoying things you get when you call most companies these days. Here's how you can have your own. These are especially fun. <laughs> these are especially fun if you, have, uh, if you set this up at your house. You know, you can, you can uh, hey, thanks for calling the Camerons. Please dial one for so-and-so. Please dial two for this person. Um, and so what you do is you name the, the IVR. So you can say uh, mainline. You have a timeout. That's just basically how long it waits for them to, to put in some digits before it just says, okay, you're not doing anything, I'm going to hang up. Uh, you can have different directory contexts. Uh, there's a built-in directory in, the phone, in this phone switch that, um, you know, whenever you add an extension, 
and the display name, it automatically adds that into the directory. So if you want to have like a dial by name directory, you can uh, you can have that set up so that um, when people press, uh, you know, they might press pound as the option when they're in the wonderful digital receptionist, and uh, you can say please press pound to go to a, to go to a dial by name directory. They press pound, and then it'll have them enter the first like three or four letters of the person's first or last name, and uh, then it'll go find their their info and, and route the call for them. So that's a really nice feature in here. You can have a, a, a custom announcement. Now, what you'd want to do first is you'd go into your system recordings, and you can add a recording. And uh, there's two ways to add a recording. You can either record it on another on like a computer and just literally record an audio file, and then you can upload that audio file into the system, or you can do it from an extension. So you can dial into uh, a number they give you. So let's see, it says right here to enter your extension. I can say I'm at 4302. Go. Okay, so now it says uh, to pick up my extension. So you pick up your extension, dial star seven seven. It'll beep at you, and then you just record your message, and then hang and then hang up, and that's recorded it. And then once that recording's in there, you can go up here to the uh, route that you're trying or the uh, IVR, and you just it'll just be available here in this drop-down menu, and then you just select that announcement. So that might be your uh, your you know whoever you've got that's got a wonderful voice can record the company's uh, IVR message. And then uh, you have a bunch of different options here. You can, just cl you can just click these buttons to increase or decrease the number of options. So uh, you, know, you can put, uh, if the number is one di is dialed, then you can terminate the call. That's fun. And then uh, you can have the number two. We'll take them to this voicemail box, for instance. So you just, it just lets you set up. I mean, it's just really simple to set up the, uh, all the features on here. Three would go to this extension. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk to somebody, press 1. Okay, we'll terminate the call. Uh, so, so that's basically an IVR. Now, there's a lot of other things you can do with an IVR. Like, let's say you have a group of five salespeople in your business, and uh, you, want to have, uh, you want to have it set up so that when somebody dials a number, it uh, will route the call to any one of those five people. And uh, so you'd have like a, what they, that, that's called a queue in here, or a ring group. There's two ways to do it. Uh, so the queue is more of your standard, you know, I'm calling some annoying support line at Discover Card, for instance, you know, where nobody ever ends up, or eventually somebody ends up answering. Um, a queue is similar to that. So you can have a queue number, and the number can be pretty arbitrary. So we can make it whatever. It doesn't have to match up to a DID number necessarily. Uh, we can say this is annoying support line. The queue, uh, it may have a queue password. We don't need to set one here. Uh, a CID name prefix will let you um, add something to the, to the digits in the caller ID so that when somebody sees the call coming in on their phone, they know, oh, that's the support line. So you may say, you know, support or something. Uh, alert info, you can have distinctive ringing. Not all SIP phones support distinctive ringing, so uh, you've got to make sure it actually supports that. And then agents are any phones that are part of this group. So let's say this phone is 4302. I just put 4302 in there. Another thing you can do is you can put in um, outside lines as agents. So like you could have your cell phone be an agent. And um, I believe you just do a pound and then the number, if I remember right, for an outside line. So you can just have it dial, you know, whatever that number is for an, a for an outside line agent. Can you set precedence on those? Yes. Um, what you do is you set the... Um, you can set a ring strategy. Uh, now, let's see. I'm not sure. I think they've added some features where you could actually set one line to be more preferred over another. Let's see. I don't think you can set like a particular agent to be more preferred over another one. Down at the bottom, it looks like a dot or a dot and then a penalty. Let's see. Yeah, it says they're broken. I've never used them. They're, you'd have to look into that. I mean, because it's asterisk, though, you can't dig in underneath and, and do, you know, just about anything you want. So, yeah, you could probably put, you could probably can, if, but I don't think through the GUI here you can. Uh, but you can set, like a, like, a ring strategy. And so if you want to have, like, the person that, that's getting the fewest calls be preferred, you can do that. If you want to have, like, a round robin, ring all. Ring all just means, you know, everybody rings at the same time. Whoever grabs it gets it. 
Uh, you can do random, round-robin memory. So it remembers, you know, it goes round-robin, and then it always remembers the last person, and then it goes to the next, similar to that. So the ring strategy kind of gives you some ability to, you know, set precedence on which ones will get it. There's tons of options in here, too, so I'll go through all of them. But you can have music on hold. You can have an agent announcement. Uh, you can have a max wait time for how long somebody can be in the queue before it says, hey, you've been in the queue too long. Um, you can have a maximum number of callers. So if the queue's full, it'll tell them, hey, sorry, call back again some other time if you want to be a real friendly business. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of options there. You can also skip busy agents. So uh, if somebody's on the phone, they don't get a call. And then uh, you can also set the call recording um, in independent of the call recording settings on an extension. So if you want to record all calls that come through this, this queue, you can do that. So if it's a support line and you're recording all your support calls, for instance, it allows you to, to set that up. Um, yeah. Will that still record if you forward it a cell phone? Yeah. Yeah, if it bridges the call, it should record it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, why don't I open it up for questions? Uh, this just like barely scratches the surface on all the features this thing will do. Um, it's got, you know, day and night controls, inbound routes for, you know, different times of the day. The follow me is really cool. Like I have my extension, which is one of these phones that my desk set up. So when somebody calls me on my main extension, it rings my cell phone at the same time. So they both ring. Whichever one I answer it on is the, you know, the phone that takes it. So I just give people one number and I don't have to give out my cell phone number as often. And, you know, I'm always ensured I'll probably get the call. Another thing Follow Me can do is it can uh, it'll try one phone after another. Uh, so it, and uh, you may have heard you may have seen the features where if you call a number, it'll say um, uh, please hold and listen to the music while I try to find the person you're calling. It's got that feature too. So then it'll just play some hold music. You know, you can play some ACDC while they're waiting for you where, for the phone system to find them, and uh, it'll just go through and just call one number after another. And then you just set the timeout values like you may say 15 seconds on each phone number and just run through a bunch of numbers. Was there a question back there? Yes, let's look at that real quick. Sorry, what was that last part? Oh, yeah. Um, now, of course, it's more limited. Um, so the question is on the user interface, what, what options do you have there? Um, let's log in here as one of our users. So you have voicemail recordings and a web meet me. This is another, so there's just so many features, it's hard to go through it all in an hour. But um, the web meet me is another cool feature. We can set up conference bridges in the, in the phone system. And then uh, you can set up a bridge line, and then people call in, enter a password. And then you actually have a web interface to manage that, that conference bridge. And you know, they call it a room. And you can see everybody that's dialed in. It's got their caller ID info. You can mute everybody. You can kick, every, you can kick certain people from the call. You can uh, mute certain people and unmute certain people. So it's got all those features. Yeah. All of this can be done with a persistent voice Yeah. Yeah, so the question is, can you do it with a VoIP connection? Um, like the bridging is, uh, as long as you have a connection to the, to the phone network so that people can call in or call out of your switch, you, you've got all these features built into it, and you can do all this stuff. So that's, that's, a really, that's a really cool thing about it. Now, the bridge, the conference bridge, is going to be dependent on how many lines you have, because each call takes up a, a channel or a line. One other question. Uh-huh. For the for the bridge. I like um, Vitality. It's Vitality.net. I use them uh, quite a bit, and you just go sign up for an account, and uh, they're a great carrier. Um, they'll give you DIDs, and they have a lot of Utah DIDs, and. Um, yeah, lots of different service plans. I mean. They're going to be, um, sorry, I got a cold. I'm trying to get over. They've got a lot of, uh, um, they'll give you like an 800 number for like 10 cents a month. And then it's like, I don't know, 4 cents a minute or 3 cents a minute. Really cheap. I mean, cheaper than you can get from the phone company. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, well, I've actually got, um, I, have, I have a data center area that we're set up with. We've got a bunch of servers there that are voice over IP. So I have PRI lines coming into those. And then I just branch stuff off to my house. And I've got. Uh, what I've got set up is one asterisk box bridged with the other asterisk box in a peer group. And so numbers that come in here just automatically forwards over through a trunk interface to my home machine on my Comcast line. 
And then I just play with the collar, do whatever I want there from that end. Uh, I don't need it, but yeah, well, I do because I want to, you know, I configure like different stuff than what we're doing on like our data center boxes because we have like some voice over IP applications we do and different things. Yeah, yeah, feasibly you could. And you could just have your phone hook up over the Comcast line into the into the co-located box and set up, yeah. Vitality, um, it's V-I-T-E-L-I-T-Y dot net. And so real quick, this is the user interface. This is... Uh, the first page here is where you'd have all your voicemails. So if I had any voicemail, they'd show up here in a list. And then you can just listen to them right here in the web interface. And then you can delete them. You can move them to folders, sort them, do all that kind of stuff. You can go to call monitor. This is where all of your uh, recordings are for your phone extension. If your extension has been tracking, uh, recorded, uh, has been recording your calls in and out. Uh, phone features you'd configure from here. So I can set up call waiting. I can enable or, disenable or disable call waiting for my extension. I can set up call forwarding. So like if I want to have an unconditional call forward, you just enable it there, put in the number, and they'll just forward all your calls to another number. Here's the follow me settings. Oh, I don't think I've enabled it on this switch. But this is where you can set up um, like a list of extensions or numbers to dial. Oops. That's this IP. Let's see. Right here. Um, you can have a personal IVR, so you can have your own press 0, press 1. <laughs> to talk to Chris's dog, press 1. And you can have a little recording there. Uh, let's see, extensions, 4302. That is enabled. Let's see. Probably something else I have to enable that I'm forgetting about. Oh, you have to actually enable follow me, um, I think is what it is in here. So in order for your users to use follow me, you have to add it. <coughs> so I've just added it now. So now you apply your changes. Anytime, oh, and it, another thing, when you're in the web admin here on Trixbox, anytime you make a change, it'll say apply configuration changes up here. Uh, most configuration changes are going to require you to apply them, which does a little reset on the asterisk process that's running in the server. And so now if I go to follow me, there's my options for follow me. Uh-huh, go ahead. Uh, so the question is, will it disconnect active users if you apply changes? Um, if, it's, if it's a soft reset, no. But if it has to do a hard reset, yes. So it depends on the kind of changes, and it figures it out for you. Um, if, if you don't know, then you probably want to go into the terminal, log into the asterisk box, and set. Uh, it has an option in there to reset when not busy. So that basically the phone switch, if you've got a, if you've got a business environment, you'd want to do this. So it'll just reset it when, it, when there's nobody on it. And to get to that, you just do real quick asterisk SR, and that'll show you, uh, that gets you into the asterisk console. So I think it's um, restart. So then you can say gracefully, and then that'll do it when it's, when it's graceful, <laughs> when nobody's going to get hit by it. So. Um, and then here's the follow me settings real quick on the user interface. So you can just set up, and it'll, it just by scrolling over, it'll show you, you know, what to do. Um, and then, like, if you want to do an outside number, you know, you can do that. You put the pound either before or after. I can't remember for sure. And then you can also use confirmation, which is nice. So, like, I, might, I have mine set up so that when it calls my cell phone, I have to confirm it by pressing 1, and it'll give me a little message when it calls me. It'll say, you have an incoming call, blah, blah, blah. And you can also customize that message. You can have a lot of fun there, too, if, especially if you're in an office environment, which we do. And... Uh, yeah, the person has to press 1 or they don't get the call. So if it goes to your cell phone voicemail, you don't end up, you know, the person that's calling doesn't end up going into your cell phone voicemail. It'll end up going to your voicemail on your Trix box. And then it'll also show you all the feature codes. These are feature codes that are available from the phone. So either the soft phone or the hard phone will let you get to those. And then it's got a few settings here for different things. Another thing that's cool uh, is the, did someone else have a question? Another thing that's cool is the FOP. Uh, this is just like a, a little interface. It's a flash-based. It's web-based. And it lets you see all the extensions that are in your phone switch and see who's on the phone, what number they're calling. Uh, if you have administrative rights, you can actually drag like one call to another. Like let's say this person is on the phone to somebody and you want it to go over to this extension. You can just click and drag it. So if you have an office environment with a secretary, you know, they can bring this up and do all kinds of stuff with the phone calls. You can also see your queues and conference and trunks and everything else. 
And then there's another open source um, utility called HUDLITE, H-U-D-L-I-T-E. And this is from Phonality. And it's a little piece of software that runs on Windows, Linux, and Mac. It'll hook into your phone switch, and it'll give you uh, like kind of like a heads up on your phone switch, similar to this, with all the extensions and who's on the phone and who's busy, free, all that kind of stuff. And you can set some security parameters around what people can see through the HUD. So. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, so the question is, is there uh, like contract companies that come in and set up phone systems? Um, there's quite a few in town, and I can't think of any, uh, I can't think of the names of them off, my, off the top of my head, but if you go in the phone book under like uh, phone systems, um, you go through there and I think they'll usually say asterisk in their ad or whether or not they support asterisk. There's a bunch, of, I think there's at least a few in town that do this, that'll set it up for you. Does anybody know of any companies that do? Oh, okay. And he goes, goes in and do it? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and, and this is, this, I just installed one of these uh, for a company not too long, like a month ago, and they had uh, 40 extensions that we set up on a, just a standard box. I mean, it was like a, you know, an Intel Xeon. It wasn't a, like an $800 box, and it ran perfect. Dropped a PRI card in, and they were off and running. So uh, this this makes a great phone switch for an office environment, and it's a lot you know it's a lot cheaper than going and buying an Avaya or a Cisco switch for twenty or thirty grand for a similar setup. So I installed this, let it run it. My biggest thing is TrickFox pretty much locks you down. You can't really do a lot as far as like doing other things on this. Custom stuff. So my question is, how well does it work in any virtual mm -hmm. situation? What hardware would you recommend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And try and install it by hand. You can install different packages and get it on the thing for the most part. Otherwise, uh -huh. it won't work on anything but Fedora specific off the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, in general, if you want to do it for a home, um, how would you mint or maximize the use of hardware if mm -hmm. you want to do other things to do on the thing? Well, okay, so I'll. Take the first part of the question there first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first part of the question um, was, you know, you, Trixbox is hard to customize or it locks you into things, and that that is largely true because it'll it'll uh, it really takes over all the configuration parameters, and it's really free PBX that does a lot of it because that's the that's the GU the web interface for it. Um, you can though, however, do a lot of customization. They do give you um, a lot of places where you can put your own custom config under CD at C asterisk. And uh, if you look in there, you'll see um, they have like a, like on the SIP set or on the SIP settings, for instance. You might you'll have the SIP custom, SIP general, SIP nat, SIP .com, um, and SIP additional. Uh, Tricksbox will take over like SIP additional and the SIP .com, But if you want to put in some custom stuff, you just go in and edit SIP underscore custom, and anything you put in there won't be overridden or deleted by Tricksbox. So it is very customizable in that way. So that that kind of alleviates some of the customization issues. If you want to do some really, you know, custom stuff, though, it, it still, you know, it may not work well for you. But um, it does go. I've, I've, I usually use Trixbox for our default installation just because I like all the web interfaces, and I, I don't have a lot of time in life, and I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, compiling everything. And I've had to before, but I avoid it if all possible. And so um, I have. Uh, we've got some really highly customized Trixboxes that um, are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. That we've uh, we just go in and override all the stuff in custom and, and take care of it that way and and we've been able to do most all the stuff we want to by doing that. Really, yeah, there's really not because I mean it's just asterisk and as long as you understand the layout of how the configuration GUI tools configure things and how they uh, customize how they manage different files, as long as you're overriding things in the custom files and you know using the custom files where it's not going to touch, you're going to be fine. And you're not gonna you're not gonna get nailed by you know it overriding something you changed. Um, on the hardware side of things, so the other question was, uh, what level of hardware would I suggest um, for virtualization stuff? I mean, it, uh, a P uh, a Core 2 type processor is gonna be fine. I mean, I've run on some really I run on this MacBook Air, which is like a, uh, you know it's really leaned out and it runs great. I'll run the VMware or the parallel server on it, and I'll do different things with it just for testing and stuff and. I haven't had any performance problems just doing that. Now, if it's a server um, in your network, it really depends on how many phones you're going to have. If you have three or four phones, you know, it's, it doesn't take a lot.
to run it. Um, uh, I mean, a P4 would handle it fine. An old P4 on a you know with a SATA disk would do great. So. Um, like you like you have virtual. So if you're gonna run a virtual machine, yeah, yeah, it'll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it doesn't have CPU available, it'll it, it won't be happy with that because you, what happens if you're on a call and the processor starts to peg, then you'll just start hearing jitter, pop, bubble type voices. You know, blah 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 blah. You get a lot of that stuff. That means you know it's either having some kind of a, a processor or memory issue or whatever. And then network network problems can also affect it. You know, if you're pegging out your network for some reason, again, you'll get jitters, pops, bubbles in the call. So those are things to look at if you start getting those kind of quality issues in there. Any other questions? Okay. I think we're done. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.